Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless each and every one of you this morning. Glad you're here. You made the right choice this morning. Amen. I commend you for your wisdom. Amen. Intelligence. God bless you. <laughs> uh, let's all stand. Or start going off into areas we need not go into. I'm excited this morning because God is here. Praise God. And every service is an opportunity to minister to Him, to minister to each other, and to allow God to minister to me. Amen. What an awesome opportunity we have today. Praise God. Uh, we're going to pray for our service. Uh, I want us to pray for uh, uh, Wendy Mann. She has been texting me on and off. She hasn't been here in a while. Unfortunately, she is going through a myriad of health issues right now. I want to pray for her that uh, not only does she receive healing, but that uh, she remains encouraged. Amen. Uh, staying away from church, staying away from pretty much everyone, and she's got situations going on that are kind of weighing down on her. So uh, let's pray for our service. God has a plan for this service. He, ha uh, he has a, a, a path for us moving forward here uh, that we need to be aware of and that we need to start tromping on through. Amen. And let's pray for Wendy, that she stays encouraged. God heals her. Uh, I'd like to see her back here in church. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you. I'm thankful for your so great salvation. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have given us invitation today into the very presence, the very throne room of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome opportunity. What a great privilege we've been afforded today to enter into your throne room, to spend time with you, to hear your voice, to feel your touch. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have allowed us, that you have afforded us this opportunity today. I do not esteem it lightly. I will not take it for granted. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that your perfect will would be accomplished in this house today. All of it. Every bit of your heart, every bit of your will, that it would be manifest in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for Wendy Mann, Lord, that you would heal her body, that you would touch her mind, that you would free her this morning from discouragement, from fear. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would undergird her with strength and minister unto her, bring her back to the house of God. Those situations that she's facing, that you would work them out according to your perfect will and for your glory. And in this house, Lord, that your, your great name would be worshipped, lifted up, glorified in this place for the service, Lord, that you would minister to your people, minister to those joining us online, and above all, that your name would be lifted up and glorified here today. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for entertaining the presence of God. You can be seated. Amen. Before we get started, I want to uh, just kind of pre-announce, if that's a thing, Maybe it is. Uh, we'll see. In any case, uh, starting next week, we're going to start a new series on Sunday mornings. Uh, it is a, uh, it, it's with some exceptions, it will be going on all through 2023. It's a year-long course. Uh, it's from Pentecostal Publishing House called uh, God's Word for Life. I've looked at it. I think it's really good, and uh, I want to try it out. I want, to, I want to see what happens. I feel good in the Holy Ghost moving forward with it. So, uh, Brother Shepherd, if you could hand those uh, pamphlets out at this time. They come with devotional guides, uh, which is kind of nice. And uh, the thing about this is that every day after, after Sunday, there's going to be a little devotional in these books uh, that you can go through that kind of reinforces the lessons. And so that's, that's kind of nice. So that when we come back, we can just kind of build on what we learned from last week. Now, you'll notice, I, I thought the, the print was a little bit larger than that. Uh, if that is too small for you to read for uh, whatever reason, just let me know. Oh, thank you. Uh, just let me know. Thank you. And uh, they do sell large print editions as well. Uh, so, again... 
I, I had thought that this was going to be, a, it is a little bit small, uh, even for me. So uh, if that is too small to, to read comfortably, just let me know. We can get some other ones ordered. Amen. Uh, so just be looking forward to that. We're going to start that next week. Amen. All right. But we're not in next week. We're in this week, right? So uh, let's talk about today. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 is our first scripture text. We'll also jump down to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Should be a familiar passage to most of us. Luke chapter 9 and 62, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Luke chapter 9 and 62 says this, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. We'll be talking this morning on this topic, looking back. Looking back. That is the thing that we are tempted to do oftentimes. More often than not, it's because of failures or regrets that we have in our lives and we can't seem to get fixated on anything else. Especially uh, if something comes up that reminds us of those failures or those disappointments. Our mind always goes back in time to that event, that situation, those words that were spoken, uh, those choices that we made that we wish we could do over. Sometimes, though, uh, we're looking at good things. We're looking at uh, things that God did in in our past, uh, things that God did through us some time ago. And uh, those things are are nice. They're, They're nice to remember. And we we praise God for those and we worship Him for the great things He has done. But we read in Scripture that in either case, it's generally presented with a negative connotation. Whether the the reasons are good or bad. Uh, Jesus seems, God seems to want us to not look back, but rather to look ahead, to continue to move forward. Who here knows the name Satchmo? Leroy Robert Satchel Page. <clears throat> he was a baseball Hall of Famer. He died in 1982. He's born in 1906. Apparently, his career spanned five decades, which is pretty awesome for a sports figure. In any case, he seems like a fascinating individual. Uh, His quotes are all over the place. And um, one thing he had are six rules for keeping young. Six rules for keeping young. We're only going to be interested in one of them, but they were pretty interesting, so I threw them all in here. First one, avoid fried meats which angry up the blood. I don't know if I agree with some of these, but... In any case, this was his rules. Number two, if you if your stomach disputes no, I'm sorry, if you stomach disputes you, lie down and pacify it with cool thoughts. Number three, keep the juices flowing by jangling around gently as you move. Number four, go very lightly on the vices, such as carrying on in society. The social ramble ain't restful. I would say uh, don't do them at all. <clears throat> Number five, avoid running at all times. Probably get some amens there. Uh, Number six, though, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. Don't look back. The Bible speaks about this in several areas. If we look at Genesis chapter 19 and verse 17... The Bible says this, It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. This was the angels speaking to Lot in their escape from Sodom. Don't look back. 
Move forward to the place that we've established for you. Move to that spot. We read later in verse 26, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. What's even more interesting to me is that Jesus references this event in Luke 17 and verse 31 and 32. It says, In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. Don't go back and get it. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. So this, this is kind of a powerful statement. What happened to Lot's wife? Nothing good. That was not a good event that happened. Jesus is saying in that day, the last day, don't go back. Don't look back. Don't, don't be focused on those things. Don't worry about them. Keep moving forward. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And see, this is the thing that we need to, to constantly be reminded of about God. Is that He is infinite. He is... It's kind of redundant to say this, but He is so infinite. We don't have to look back on things that He did in the past and say, man, I wish He would do that again. Rather, we can say, man, I'm looking for greater things. I'm looking for Him to do something even bigger than that. He said in Isaiah, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Something that I've not done before. Something you've not seen heretofore. That's what we need to expect from God. That's what we need to expect in our own lives as biblical Christians. Now, I'm not saying blab it and grab it. I'm not saying name it and claim it. But what I am saying is, if we are submitted to the plan of God in our lives, we can expect Him to work greatly through us. We don't need to expect small things. Our God is not small. He's huge. He's infinite. And whatever... Whatever we're, we're looking for, whatever situation we're facing in our lives, God is well able to take care of that. Now we understand that you know His timetable is not necessarily our timetable. We need to wait on God sometimes. We need to maintain faith and confidence in God. But we understand through all of that that He is well able to take care of anything my little self is going through at the time. My situations may seem impossible, enormous, gargantuan to me, but they're a speck compared to God. They're nothing compared to His power, His glory, His, His wisdom and knowledge. Absolutely nothing at all. God's not disturbed by anything I'm going through. And because of that, I don't need to be disturbed by it either. I don't have to look back on Times where I failed God, I don't have to look back on times even uh, where God came through. He provided a miracle. Because that was in the past. It's irrelevant today. I worship Him. I thank Him for it. Thank you for doing that. But moving forward, I'm looking for even bigger things. The thing that happened in my past... That may have been the extent of my faith. That might have been the extent of what I could believe God for. Hopefully, I know the Lord is willing, my faith is a little bit stronger today. I can believe Him for maybe something a little bit more. Something a little bit bigger. Those things that happened in the past were necessary. They needed to happen. Like David in his life. When he was talking to Saul about facing Goliath. He was recalling things that God did in the past. I met a lion and God delivered me from that. I met a, a bear. God delivered me from that. 
The same God that did that can deliver me, can deliver Goliath into my hands as well. So in that aspect, that's good. But in the present, David wasn't facing a lion. He wasn't facing a bear. He was facing a giant. He had no experience with facing Goliath. So those things that God did for him in the past built him up to the point where he could believe God for the present. And in that, that's good. But notice notice David's response here. His reaction to Goliath. He was believing God for something that hadn't happened yet. Looking forward to something greater. Looking forward to God doing, yes, this is what God did for me in the past, but He's about to do something a whole lot bigger than that in the very near future. And that's what we need to stay focused on, church. Not in the past. Matthew 22 and 32 says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Those things that happened in the past, they're in the past, folks. I know you have some regrets. I have some regrets. If I could do some things over, you better believe I'd jump at the opportunity to do that. With the wisdom I have today, that I wish I had back then, I would make different choices. I would do things differently. But you know what? On the same hand, I would be an entirely different person today if I were given that opportunity. Maybe better, but maybe not either. In any case, that's not a choice that we have. What happened in the past is going to stay there forever. Inviolate. Written with an iron pen. It can't be changed, folks. No matter how much we sweat over it, no matter how much regret we we pour into those things, we can't change it. Give it to God. Learn what you can from it. And move forward. Move forward in God. Let go of those things, folks. Let go of them. They can't do anything for us anymore. Even the good things. We need to let go of them insofar as God is not limited to just that. He can do so much greater. Speaking of fond memories... I got into church in North Carolina. Big church. I have, still have some friends there. Fantastic experiences with God. Wondrous, glorious experiences with God. Later on in life, married, had some kids. We had an opportunity to move back there. I'd wanted to move back there for a long time. And you know how it is. When you move back to an area after you've been gone for a while, it's kind of disappointing, isn't it? Everything's different. You wanted to just pick up where you left off. And even though I knew better, I was still disappointed. And the one thing that was really disappointing about that whole experience was the fact that all of my friends, all they could ever talk about was the experiences we had back then. I wanted to know what's going on today. Nothing was going on today. That's why that's all they could talk about. There was nothing going on in their lives spiritually. God wasn't apparently talking to them. They weren't getting any word from from Scripture or from the preaching. Nothing. All anyone wanted to talk about was those things that happened when, when we were in the army and when we were just coming into this thing. And they were great experiences. Absolutely. I thank God for every single one of them. And they helped form the the Christian man that I am today. But what's going on today, church? 
What's God talking to me about today? I want a fresh word from God. I want a word for now, for today. What's God doing today in our lives? He should be doing something. He is. He definitely wants to. He wants to. That's His perfect will. Don't worry about what God did or didn't do in the past. I'm focused on what He wants to do today, tomorrow. That's where God's focus is. Not what happened to me in the past. So that was a little bit frustrating for me. Okay, we don't have to look back. Don't look back at sins that have already been forgiven. Okay, we understand God's He forgives sins, right? We don't always live like that, though. As a refresher, 1 John 1, 7-9 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 9 is worthy of study, church. There is all kinds of covenantal language and theological meat in that verse. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. At first blush, makes no sense at all. How can wiping my slate clean with me doing nothing be just? How is that just? If someone comes in and murders my family, and the judge says, I forgive you, you're off scot-free. How is that justice? That makes no sense to me. But if you dig into it, if you realize the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, you understand those implications, those, those, those theological points. This is an awesome verse. He is just because the price has been paid. Only it wasn't paid by me. It was paid by Jesus. And because of that, He is just. His mercy and His love can be satisfied. And His justice can be satisfied as well. Everything's good. Everything's legal. He absolutely forgives sins if we will confess them to Him. If we will repent of them. Turn away from them. He does forgive. Psalm 103, 1-3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. He forgives every, every iniquity. We don't have to worry about that. Did I do something so bad that He won't forgive it? Absolutely not. He's too big. He's too powerful for you to do anything that's too hard for Him. I mean, if I may... Forgive me for... Speaking so plainly, but don't be so arrogant. It's arrogance to think that I can sin so big that God can't forgive it. God's a whole lot bigger than anything I can do. But not only does He forgive the sins, He forgets them. And this is a divine attribute, church. This is something only God can do. You're never going to forget. We do forget things, okay? We forget the location of it in our brain. But it's in there. It's in there somewhere. Give you the right smell, the right music, the right circumstance, it'll come rushing right back. It's amazing how uh, stimuli can do that. There's a song that was playing a long time ago. I was... KP duty and and basic training, and that song was playing. And now every time I hear that song at the store or something, those smells come back, the feel of those yucky potatoes come back. I can see the people that I was working with. It's incredible. Just like I I was still there. But He forgets them. He chooses to forget them. Hebrews 10 and 17 says their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Will. 
an act of the will. It's a choice that he makes. He chooses to forget them. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four says, They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. That time is coming quickly. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Isaiah 43 and 25 says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. So folks, if God forgives my sin, and then He forgets it altogether, why am I still dredging it up? Why do I keep fixating on those things I did in the, in the past? The answer is, I'm a moron. I can't, I can't come up with a different answer than that. If I keep doing that, am I trying to remind God of these things? Am I, see, here's, here's what we do, folks. Here's what we do. By grace ye are saved through faith, not of works, right? And yet, this is why we keep dredging these things up. Because I need to pay for this somehow. I need to make this right. And make it right. Yeah, if you stole from someone, give them the money back. If you said something mean or angry, but go apologize. Make those things right that you can. But me keeping dredging them up, feeling guilty about it, feeling bad about it. Oh, I'm, I'm just an awful person. Why did I do that? Why, did I, oh, why didn't I just do something different? I'm trying to pay for that somehow. I may as well put a wool coat on and start whipping myself in the back. We don't have to do that, folks. It's already been paid. The full price is paid. There's nothing I can do to pay above and beyond that. Understand that. There's no reason for me to be dwelling on that. I know this seems counterintuitive. I know. But just trust in the mercy of God. Trust in the power of God to completely blot your sin out. It never happened. According to God, it never happened. So, get rid of it. Leave it at an altar and walk away. Let it go. We don't have to focus on those things. I know it doesn't seem just. I know it doesn't... I can just, I can just walk away and I don't have to worry about it anymore. That doesn't seem right. There's, it seems like there's got to be something that I could do or need to do. No. There's nothing you could have ever done anyway. We can't save ourselves. If I only sinned once in my whole life, that would be an amazing feat. But if I only sinned one time, I would spend all of eternity paying for that. I can't pay for my own sin. I need someone perfect to pay that for me. And that perfect individual did. And he completely paid it. So don't focus on those, those things that you regret. Those situations that you look back on with pain and regret and let it go. Walk away from it. God doesn't know what you're talking about. Now perhaps you can believe this for others, but not yourself. <clears throat> we understand intellectually, theologically, God is no respecter of persons. Preacher comes up and says that. Everyone says amen. They believe that. Until it comes to acting on it. I can, and again, if I may speak freely, I can have a whole lot more faith for your healing than I can for my healing. It's a whole lot easier to believe for a miracle for you than it is to believe for a miracle for me. I don't know why that is. 
But it's true. It's the same God. He doesn't respect you or me. We're all equal in His sight. So why is that? Part of the human condition, maybe. But what He did for you, He'll do for me. And what He did for me, He'll do for you. He doesn't respect us. He doesn't put me above you. He doesn't put you above me. doesn't matter how much money we make, what position we have. We are all equal in God's sight. We all stand on the same platform. God forgives all sin. He forgets every sin He's ever forgiven. Feel free to do the same. We can do the same. God forgave me. He forgot about it. I can forget about it. I can move on. Don't look back at defeats. If you're attempting or doing anything, folks, you're going to fail at some point. You can't achieve anything without risking failure. And I would say it's almost 100% true, if not 100% true. You are going to fail at least once trying to achieve anything meaningful. The only time you'll never fail is if you don't try anything. So feel free to fail. You try to do something for God. And this, this comes into play when uh, people start being prompted to be used in gifts of the Spirit. Someone's given an interpretation of tongues, maybe for the first time. It's weird. It's different. Is this really God or is this just me? And then they feel the courage to speak out. I've, I've told you some things that uh, Brother Lee Stone King has, has heard in his ministry. <laughs> Tongues and interpretations. God wishing the pastor a happy birthday through tongues interpretation. <laughs> Another one was, things are bad. Things are so bad I can hardly make it myself. <laughs> uh, well, if, it's, if it's too bad for God to make it, yeah, we're done. Close it up. <laughs> so, you know, people make mistakes. They make mistakes when trying to do the things that God wants them to do. My point in bringing this up is this. Don't be afraid to do that. Will you be criticized by small people? Yes, you will. By little people, you will be criticized. Most certainly. People that aren't doing anything, people that are afraid to do something because they might fail too, You'll be criticized by those people. I would encourage you to not listen to those people. Don't put a whole lot of stock into them. Keep doing what you know God wants you to do. If you fail, great. Let God pick you up and keep moving forward. No big deal. We've got plenty of people here to clean messes up. I'm good at cleaning messes up. I've been doing it a while. You make a mess, we'll get it cleaned up. Don't worry about it. But keep doing what you know God wants you to do. I'm serious about this. Don't worry about failing. If you're not failing, maybe worry about that. Because if you're not failing... You're not facing a possibility of failing. That means you're just kind of sitting there doing nothing. And that's not good either. Psalm 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So don't worry about failing trying to do great things for God. God will lift you up. He will continue to uphold you. Micah 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Amen to that. 
I'll just get right back up and keep moving forward. You've heard this before. Failure is an event, not a person. I have failed. That doesn't mean I am a failure. It means I have failed. Some of the most spectacular failures in history are some of the people we remember the most. We'll get to him in a second. Thomas Edison. He failed over a thousand times trying to find a filament that worked for an incandescent light. What if he would have given up? Abraham Lincoln. Oh my word, what a failure that guy was. Do you know what he went through before he became president? He failed in business, I think, twice. Went bankrupt. He failed in politics. He couldn't get elected to anything. He had a spouse die. He had a mental breakdown. What if he'd have stopped right there? No one would have ever heard of Abraham Lincoln. He'd have been a footnote in history. Local Illinois politics. But because he kept persisting, he's one of the most famous presidents People all the whole world round know about Abraham Lincoln. Everybody knows who Abraham Lincoln was. But he was able to press through failure. Folks, failure is not bad. We can learn from it. We can grow through failure and become better for it. If we're not risking failure... We're never going to get to where God wants us to be. These calculated risks. Doing what God is asking us to do. We need to be prepared to to say yes to that. We need to be prepared when God calls on us to risk failure. You might fail when trying to do something great for God. Don't worry about it. Keep doing it. If you fail, try again and again. And again, someday you're going to get it. And when you do, people are going to be like, wow, I wish I was that person. Must be nice. People that succeed in business, they're working 80, 100 hours a week, seven days a week. Everything they make, they're putting back into the business. They're eating top ramen and, and mac and cheese, living in a studio flat trying to get a business off the ground. Then when they make it, they're a millionaire, multi-millionaire. Everyone's like, oh, it must be nice. Wish I could have a million dollars too, just like you. Wish I could live that kind of a lifestyle. You have no idea what that guy went through to get to that place. Don't be afraid, afraid to risk great things. Risk everything. If it's following the will and plan of God, Risk everything. God will not let you down. Don't look back at at the past and see it as better than it was. Like I tried not to do, but did anyway. Numbers 11 and 18 says this, Say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh and ye shall eat. It was well with them in Egypt? Really? That's what they thought. That's what they were remembering. Miss the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Miss all the good things about Egypt. They were slaves. They were in bitter bondage. They were whipped. Half starved. They were fed just enough to keep productive. What were they missing about Egypt? But in their minds, 
Egypt was a good place. Ecclesiastes 7 and 10 says, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. In other words, why do you keep thinking that yesterday is better than today? You're not wise in doing that. Distance lends enchantment. The farther away we get from a situation, our memories seem to get better and better about it. Growing up, I remember feeling like I can't wait to grow up and get out of this place. But when I think back about it now, all I can think of are the good times. Where were those times when I was feeling the other way? Nostalgia is never quite honest, folks. Vance Havner says this. He's a Baptist evangelist. The present is never as good as it used to be. Interesting way to say it. The present is never as good as it used to be. Absolutely true. A great future beats a great past every time. Every time. Don't look back at old conflicts that make you bitter. This is easy enough to do. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. If you rehearse old conflicts, the hurt is going to return. That's just the way it works. So let them go. Don't do it. It's already happened. For good or ill, it's already happened. Nothing can change about that. So what we need to do is, if we need to forgive, forgive. If we need to... uh, Accept forgiveness, accept forgiveness, and then move on. Let it go. Nothing good comes of dwelling on these things. The reason we dwell on them again, we want some semblance of justice. Either I've got to pay for this, or somebody else has got to pay for this. But we're wanting justice. If we follow that desire all the way down, do I really want justice? Do I want God to give me justice? Because if I got justice, folks, I have no hope. I'm looking for mercy. I want God's mercy. So when I'm demanding justice for something that happened to me, I better be prepared to receive justice in my own life. Rather, Because I want mercy in my life, I should be giving mercy in everyone else's life. Because I promise you folks, at some point in time, I probably already have. I've said something, I've done something that has upset someone here. Not meaning to. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone. But I'm a human being. And sometimes I do stupid things. Fair? Now in that situation, I'm wanting your mercy. So if I'm expecting mercy from you, when you do something dumb to me, I need to be prepared to give mercy as well. 
because the reverse will also be true at some point in time. And that's okay. We're human beings. We do that from time to time. Let's make allowances for each other. I'm going to do dumb things. You're going to do dumb things. We're still family. Still love each other. We can still move forward in God. How awesome is that? Praise God. But we want to have mercy. Because we're wanting mercy ourselves. Even if God has truly given you a place of forgiveness, it's dangerous to keep going over them. Why? Because you can lose that forgiveness, folks. You can get to the place where I don't forgive Him anymore. That forgiveness can go away. And I can start feeling that pain again, that hurt, that wound, whatever it was. Even if I did get to the place at one point where God truly did allow me to forgive. And that pain was gone. If I keep dwelling on it, if I keep focusing on it, that pain can come back. Don't do that. Don't look back at old victories that may cause you to think you have arrived. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One thing Paul, I think, is saying here is, I served the Lord with all my heart once. I was sold out to Christ once. I suffered gladly for His name once. But what am I doing today? What am I going to be doing tomorrow? That's who I was then. Who am I today? And again, that's what we need to focus on. Moving forward. Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? What is God going to do? What great things are in store for us tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? God did great things, awesome things for all of us in the past. He did. And we testify about it, and we should continue to do so. We want to worship God for the great things He has done. That's scriptural. But I can't look to that as the end. He did use me in this capacity, so I'm good. I'm ready to go to heaven now. There are people that think that way, that believe that way. I was used in the past. I'm just, I'm just waiting to go home now. Folks, God wants to use each and every one of us today more powerfully than He ever did in the past. He wants to do a new thing in each of us, in this congregation. Don't think that the past is all we have to look at. Best years of my life are gone. The older I get, the more tempting it is to fall into that. But it's not true. Now, my abilities might be different physically, certainly. But my abilities emotionally and mentally are different too. And for the better. I'm a little bit wiser than I was 20 years ago. I have a little bit more life experience now than I did 20 years ago. Answered the Lord Terry, Lord willing, another 20 years, I'll be even better yet. A little bit worse physically. The abilities shift. The physical stuff, we can pass that off to the young. Just like previous generations had passed that stuff on to me when I was young. But God has great things in store for us today. Every one of us. Every one of us. What we ought to do, rather, is to look to the present and to the future. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the same, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Look unto Jesus. Look up, church. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Look to Jesus. Jesus, you know, while we, while we were praying before uh, service this morning, something came to me that God is, uh, you know, several times in Scripture it says that uh, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to make things new. You're a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are become new. That's what God does. That's who He is. He is constantly regenerated. He is constantly becoming new. That's what He does. I mean, He's always new. Every day He's new. Every day His mercies are renewed. The Bible is always fresh. It's always new. You and I, we're stuck in, in, in mortality. Our bodies don't become new. Not physically. They become the opposite. They become old. They start getting all wrinkly and stiff and, and, and they hurt. But our spirits are constantly regenerated. Everything is new. Every day is new. Every morning we wake up, it's a new day. And someday, we are going to get a new body. A new body that will never wrinkle, never get old, never ache. will always be strong. I'll be able to bench press 500 pounds. Probably more. Yeah, whatever. Billion pounds, probably. <clears throat> but God makes things new. I don't have to look to the past. Best case scenario, those things that God did in the past were awesome. But He's making things new. Things are becoming new in my life, in your life. And God wants to be new to us every day. A fresh experience, a fresh word. A fresh anointing. He wants that renewed every day. What an awesome God. What an awesome life we have in Him. The Bible encourages us to look on the fields. John 4.35 says, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Caring for and ministering to the needs of others will cause you to return your focus to where it belongs. The work of God today, tomorrow. What God is wanting to do in and through you. Amen. In conclusion, we need to look ahead because the best is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And Revelation 21, verses 1-5 through 5 says this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. Let's all stand. We're stuck in a time stream. We're stuck in mortality. We have a past, present, and future. But with God, everything is always new. Let's try to adopt His mindset. His manner of looking at, at the situation. The things that He did do were awesome. But He wants to do so much greater. He wants to continually renew these things in our lives. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. Thank You, Lord, for the ministration of Your Spirit in this place. I thank You for the Word that was presented. Help us to be doers and not hearers only. 
I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would let go of those things in the past and that we would fixate on those things that you're desiring to do here today and in the future. Help us, Lord, to continually move forward in you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Uh, got done a little bit early. Uh, we'll be back at a quarter till. Aurora, Indiana is situated on the banks of the Ohio
Aurora, Indiana is situated on the banks of the Ohio River, just outside the metro area of Cincinnati, Ohio. And along this river, in this entire area of 60,000 people in Dearborn County, there was no church. Because of the United Pentecostal Church, partnering with a 68-year-old man with a vision is the reason that we are here today. We took a drive one Saturday over to Aurora, Indiana. We said there needed to be a church in this town. I want to thank uh, the North American Mission, the Christmas for Christ, for allowing my husband to plant one more church and helped us finance it because that was his passion was to plant another church in his latter years. Christmas for Christ offering is coming up soon, and I want to encourage you to be a part. Recently, I got to sit down with my pastor, James Lumpkin, and we talked about church planting and Christmas for Christ. It's, it's, it's not just another program. No. It's God's plan for reaching the world. Let me ask you to be a part of a great Christmas for Christ offering this year. We have to have more churches. We have to have more lighthouses. Thank you in advance for moving the gospel forward, funding the vision to plant more works in North America. Your giving truly matters. Thank you.